Welcome to the St. Andrew's Talk of the T-Doc. My name is Peter Hoops, and today I'll be talking with Dr. Ashley Hyde, our science department chair. Welcome, Ashley. Hi, thank you, Peter. So for those who don't know you or or may have heard of you but haven't had a chance to, to get to know you, um, tell us what you do here, your whole sort of suite of activities and, and things. Absolutely. Um, so I am a teacher in the science department. I teach physics and astronomy, and uh, this this year, I'm also the science department chair. It's my first year um, in, in, in being chair, which is really exciting. Um, really exciting uh, just because it's something I always sort of had as a goal for myself and also something that um, is sort of a privilege um, just in the sense that I'm also the first female chair, which is always really exciting um, when sort of that, that milestone happens. So, um, so that's probably my sort of uh, one of my main roles is, is, is in the teaching area. Um, on top of that, I also um, manage our STEM Summer Opportunities Program, which is a, a fairly sort of new initiative to try and make the possibility of pursuing a summer opportunity in the STEM field, so science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, um, something that is um, accessible, as I said, to our students. So, um, you know, this just essentially involves helping students to identify what they might be interested in spending their spare time over a summer doing um, and helping put them in touch with the many, many different possible programs and research opportunities and um, classes or whatever it might be that are sort of out there. We have a number of students this year applying for NASA internships, so that's super exciting. Yeah. I, I actually took part in some programs like this when I was in high school um, I think it was between my junior and senior year, or the equivalent in in England, right. and um, they were. They, they, I think they they sort of changed my life. You know, I I knew by that point that I wanted to go into physics and astronomy, um, but they were my first real taste of what does that even mean, or what does that look like outside of school. I think really gave me a a foot up when it came to my college applications because I could talk very um, confidently about um, not only what I wanted to study, but also I could sort of show that I had taken the initiative, you know, to actually um, to actually pursue that interest. And so I just, I really want our students to be aware that they can do this kind of thing as well. And that it's, it's not only so much fun, not only can they, um, can they learn so much from it, but it can also help them in other ways. So that's my second sort of main role outside of teaching. And um, and then, of course, on top of that, I sort of um, do many of the other little bits and pieces that the faculty here um, do. So um, in particular, I'm on weekend duty. So I get to hang out with, uh, with the students every third weekend or so. And, um, uh, you know, whether that's just sort of um, running an activity or helping with the dinner trip or whatever it might be, that's always a great way to connect with students. And um, I also do um, dorm duty on, on Lower Moss when I'm on weekend duty as well. So that's a chance for me to sort of, um, again, get to meet some more students that I probably wouldn't otherwise have the chance to run into too much. So tell us a little bit about uh, your journey here. You mentioned getting into physics when you were in high school. What was it about physics or astronomy or the mix of the two um, in high school that you think drew you to it? Yeah, it's that's a great question. I was definitely one of those students in school that I kind of loved everything. Um, and I, I would still say that that is true. You know, I, I just loved learning about history and I loved learning um, about we, we had a class that doesn't sort of seem to exist in America called geography, which um, it's actually not just learning 
where all the countries are on a map. I always loved learning about music. Um, I loved reading books. I loved writing. So I sort of loved everything. And science was something I enjoyed. And math was something I always sort of, um, I always liked as well. Um, but they weren't sort of the standout subjects for me, really. Um, and in particular, as I got a little bit older, um, I would say by the time I got to be sort of um, third, fourth, Form, fourth form sort of age um, that was the point at which math started to become quite a challenge for me actually um, I was no longer finding it that um, you know uh, not not easy but I wasn't finding it as straightforward as I used to um, but one night uh, my mum sat down uh, to watch a documentary called The Elegant Universe by Brian Greene and um, I just sort of sat down to watch it. I was curious and uh, I just remember <laughs> watching this documentary and I just sort of I just remember my mind just sort of being blown and my mum would occasionally turn around to me and say I have no idea what's happening but <laughs> I think this is so interesting. <laughs> I just I remember saying yeah yeah I don't, I don't really know what it's talking about either but it's wow this, this, this is amazing and you know it's this sort of that the concept behind the elegant universe is that you know, is is string theory, right. which, which actually um, um, MJ gave this fantastic um, talk about um, in the science lecture competition this year. Um, you know, this idea that everything in the universe is at the tiniest level composed of some um, vibration of strings right. and um, just absolutely fascinating. And I remember sort of watching that documentary and sort of coming away from it and thinking, Oh my gosh, I think I want to study physics. And nice. it just sort of was this light bulb that that switched on. And I've always sort of been a long-term dreamer, I guess, sort of looking ahead and thinking, what do I want to do? What do I want to do with my life? <laughs> what do, what you know, what do I want to aspire to? Yeah. And so I started at that time to think, well, what does that mean for me beyond school? Right. I didn't, I, you know, I always was the kind of person who I, I you know, I don't want to just do things for right now, I, I want to also so, so think about what that means in the future. And, um, you know, uh, uh, I so I, I was sort of looking at college courses, university courses and physics. At the time, I had actually planned to con to pursue history. Um, that was sort of what I wanted to be. And I sort of ended up thinking, hmm, um, what, what would I, you know, what would life look like as a historian versus as a, uh, as a physicist? And I sort of tried to sort of weigh the pros and the cons, which is hard to do when you're sort of 15. And I didn't really have a very good <laughs> sort of college or career counselor at school. But I sort of ended up deciding that, that, that physics seemed, um, physics seemed to me like the best path to go down. So I sort of, you know, as, uh, as as we have probably all been sort of guilty on uh, guilty of in our in our youth that was sort of saying right that's it that's the plan I'm sticking to it um, and I sort of <laughs> was very determined and I just remember um, you know I, I'd, I'd already completed my sign up sheet you know for school and I remember going back and like crossing out the whole and I and I kept geology actually I, I I did keep that one but I changed the other three to physics and then mathematics, and then further mathematics, which is like a, a second mathematics class. Right. And um, I just was sort of going all in. And I, I, as I mentioned, you know, I was I was doing all right in math, but it, you know, it wasn't sort of, um, I wasn't sort of top of my class or anything. And I do remember, I do remember, um, I think one of my teachers saying to me, well, this, this, is, um, this is actually really quite a challenging class. And I was like, yeah, I know, but I just, I, you know, I, th I think it could help me as a physicist. Um, so they were like, okay. Um, so that that's sort of how how that all happened, and I just sort of worked worked very hard at that. Um, it, it turned out that my teacher was right, and further mathematics was probably not the choice that I should have made. I didn't do enormously well in that class, um, 
Did, did it make you want to stop or rethink your choices? Um, no, uh, it didn't. Um, I, I think that um, I loved my studies of physics and maths so much and also my, my studies of geology that um, I felt, well, do you know what? It's, it's actually interesting. I'm going to retract that statement. Um, <laughs> I think in the end, that's how I ended up feeling. Um, I did this sort of unusual thing where I changed schools between my junior and senior year. Oh, wow. Um, I had been at sort of, an, I guess, an academically selective school in my junior year. And it had been going all right up until that. It had been going very well up until that point. But it sort of started to go a bit wrong in my junior year. I... Um, I'm not. I'm, I'm honestly looking back. Not totally sure what happened, but um, I remember I began to struggle in my physics classes, um, and also my my math classes as well. Um, I'm not sure if I wasn't connecting with the material or I wasn't connecting with the teachers. Um, I'm not quite sure what it was about my experience there. I mean, I, w I wasn't doing terribly, but I was sort of getting B's and C's, and I just wasn't really happy with that. I sort of wanted to try and. Um, turn it around a little bit and um, I learned about another school which was significantly further away <laughs> um, and quite a long commute but um, that offered the same subjects I mean physics and math but they offered a um, different curriculum they offered an astronomy course which my school mm -hmm. at the time didn't um, the, the the physics curriculum was was also significantly different and looked um, looked to me to be more interesting um, and, um, I went for, I guess, a visit day and liked what I saw and, um, against the, <laughs> against the wishes of essentially everybody <laughs> in my life at the time, um, I decided to, to, to switch. I applied to this other school and I sort of said to my mom, right, here I go. And, uh, I, I, you know, I think, I think she was probably on the side of the people who, who trusted me slightly more with this decision. Um, but I, I distinctly remember my teachers at my, at my previous school um you know flat out telling me this is the wrong decision you're going to regret this wow um and uh you know although I did say my mum was supportive she did also say that she wasn't going to sort of help me um in 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 my commute right so she sort of uh, I guess maybe this was a good life lesson you know I was sort of 16 17 at this time and she said if you want to you want to get to this other school that you want to go to, which is about maybe an hour and a half away. Holy cow. Um, I had to sort of get buses and trains. And she was like, you're going to have to pay for that. Like, You're going to have to like, if, 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 if you want to make this huge switch and you're really that confident about it, you'll find a way to make it work. And so I thankfully by that point had had a Sunday job for a while in, a, um, I guess, the English equivalent of a Walgreens or a CVS or something. Sure. And so I paid for my train travel and just <laughs> made made the leap and... It was probably the best thing I've ever done. Um, I loved my new teachers. I loved the new curriculum, um, uh, at least in physics and math. That's certainly true. Um, as I said, coming back to sort of my original point, further math was where I really struggled because um, the order that, that, that that part of math was taught in was different at my new school compared to my old school. And um, I ended up um, sort of skipping some very important modules um that's not good it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't good at all um I went sort of basically straight from um sort of some relatively low level mathematics to um calculus with trigonometry so trigonometric calculus but I hadn't yet studied trigonometry <laughs> so that's uh that's a recipe for disaster so um that was really a struggle for me and uh I actually uh encountered a teacher who 
um, you know, I, I, I was willing to, to, to work my socks off to catch up and to try and overcome that. And um, I do remember that year I worked incredibly hard. I, but I, and I've sort of said this before in, I think in my chapel talk and things like this, I'm sort of quite open about this having happened. But I, uh, I had a teacher who was teaching me this sort of further, further mathematics, it was called, um, who she could see I was struggling and um, on more than one occasion she would come over to me during class and sort of say, this is really hard, isn't it? Is you're, you're struggling with this. And I would say, yes, I am. <laughs> sort of thinking that, wow, hopefully she's going to offer to meet with me outside of class and give me some extra help. But instead she said to me, yeah, maybe you should quit. Maybe you should just drop the class. And <laughs> I said, no, of course not. I want to be a physicist. I need this class. Um, so I stuck with it. And, um, you know, of course I didn't end up doing well at all. I ended up getting, um, you know, I think sort of had an A in physics and an A in math and I was really proud of those and I got a D in further mathematics and I'll tell you what I was actually quite proud of that because I felt I did pulled it out of yeah (laughs) right I mean I could have just failed that entire class I felt like I um it was just sort of you know blood sweat and tears I think that got me to that D and um and uh you know I think I I fortunately had the I guess maybe presence of mind I'm not quite sure what you would call it when I applied for university I thought to write to the college that where I that that was my top choice where I, I had an offer from them which I think was a um they give you sort of letter offers so mm-hmm. sort of like AAA or ABB and so I had an offer of ABB which means that you know you you need to get those grades to get in so I sort of was seeing that I was probably not going to do very well in this further mathematics class and I I, I wrote to I wrote to the college and I said, um, it, this was the University of Southampton in England, and I wrote to them and I said, I really want to come and study your course. Um, I'm, I'm so excited about um, physics and I'm, you know, I'm really prepared to work hard and I'm, I, you know, I've shown that I'm so passionate about it, but this is my experience with school over the past year. I've changed schools. The ordering of my classes is, is, is different. I'm trying to catch up. It's really a challenge for me. And I just sort of sent that and hoped for the best and I didn't hear anything back I didn't really know if they were going to take that into any consideration so anyway so I ended up getting result you know results day I opened my envelope so it's back in the olden days where you know you actually had to physically pick up right, the exactly. envelope yes I remember yeah. and I remember opening it and saying AAD right and I needed AAC realistically to to meet my offer I thought oh my gosh and what you have to do in the UK is <clears throat> on results day which um is very different to here this was um maybe July Oh, wow. at the end of my senior year right so this is like a month and a half before you're supposed to arrive at university right. <laughs> um so I still didn't know if I was going to get in so I, what you have to do in that case is you you immediately call the university and I so I called them I called the admissions team um and I said I I, I saw that I missed my offer like is there anything I can do like what happens now and they said you're in wow <laughs> I just oh my gosh <laughs> Oh boy, yeah. what what uh, what a relief that was! I can imagine. What I mean, I I I had the grades even with that to get into my second choice, but um, so I probably would have been okay. But um, boy, I really wanted to get into Southampton, and I it's yeah. So <laughs> whew, that's probably the most relieved I have ever been in my life. Um, 
So I, I don't really know if there's any sort of moral to that story, but. <laughs> well, no, what it is, is that's a great story for um, any high school student to sort of see the the ups and downs that you went through. Oh, yeah. Both at the high school level and then sort of getting, you know, the application process for going further. Yeah. And the fact that it's, it not only is nothing a given, but lots of things can happen. It can go lots of different ways. And not, you know, if you don't lose faith. Yeah. And, and you keep pushing it, you know, good things can happen. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, I do try and be pretty open about it. So, so you went to university. I saw you, you got your bachelor's and master's together in, I guess, a physics, astrophysics mm-hmm. combo. That's right. And then you eventually, I saw you'd done some research and then went and got your PhD. Why did, after the PhD, did you choose to end up going into teaching as opposed to either, you know, another university teaching position or a research opportunity or what was it that sort of moved you into teaching back at the you know, secondary level? Yeah, um, it was a few different things. I um, I loved a lot of aspects of, of research. Um, you know, a PhD in, in the UK is a bit different to America. You only do research. Um, I loved a lot of things about research. I loved the fact that you're, it's almost this this sort of, you, you revert to this childish state of you are just sort of freely exploring the world around you. And that's sort of always the point of a PhD. You know, you're trying to answer a previously unanswered question. You're trying to figure out something that no one has previously figured out. You know, you're asking a novel question. Um, but I also found it um, a very, um, a very difficult four years. Um, I think part of it was that I... I never really felt like I was finished. You know, you would have a question in mind, try and find a way to answer it. Um, and you would either not be able to answer it. You would realize that actually, oh, this is actually completely impossible. <laughs> so, so, or this is, this is sort of well beyond me, or I don't have the data, or right. I don't have the statistical abilities to do this. Um, uh, or, you know, or you would get an answer, but it was sort of um, nothing new or nothing interesting or in fact an answer that made no sense whatsoever and raised even more questions that you originally than than you originally had and um, I just remember after some point in time feeling like wow I'm not sure this is ever going to feel satisfying right. because I I never feel like I can I never feel like I'm done right. <laughs> just right. um so I think that that was part of it um you know uh I also, even at that time, and this was in my early twenties, was was concerned about the way that high, you know, high level researchers and like beyond a PhD works, which is typically that um, researchers have to move around very frequently until they find a permanent post. So after your PhD, what you'll normally do is something called a postdoc, which right. is usually a position that is temporary; it lasts a year or two. And um, I am fortunate to still know a lot of people who are in astrophysics research. Um, and the typical sort of story that they will tell you is, you know, OK, let's say I finish my PhD in London um, and I apply for a job. It's not like it's easy to find a research position in astrophysics. You might have to move um, to Chile to find your next postdoc. That right. might that, that might be where you get offered a job. Right. Um, and then after that, you might have to move to um, the Netherlands. And after that, you might have to move to South Africa. There's nothing wrong with any of these places, of right. course. But even back then, I was thinking, yes, that sounds amazing. If you're in your 20s, even into your 30s, and you're having to move, literally move country every two years, yeah. what effect does that have on the rest of your life? And, um, you know, I love traveling, don't get, get, get me wrong. But um, I wasn't, sh- I sort of <laughs> foresaw some some concerns about that. And um, 
And anyway, so sort of amid all of these, uh, amidst all of these concerns, I also started um, doing some teaching on the side. So, um, so university where I was doing my um, PhD right. um, also taught undergraduates, and so I would be essentially a lab assistant. So when the uni- when the undergraduate students would be taking a, a, a course and they would have a lab component, I would be one of the sort of um, the the people sort of supervising them doing the lab, answering questions, um, helping them out, um, grading the, the lab work when they were done. Um, so I guess almost like a TA. Yeah. Um, and I really enjoyed that. Um, I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, I then also got a part-time job. Um, I can't quite remember how, how this came about, but I ended up getting a part-time job um, as an astronomer at the Royal Observatory in Greenwich, which was one or two days a week. I was mostly delivering um, planetarium shows. So that was, oh my gosh, so much fun, so much fun. Um, you get to just meet all sorts of people, you know, just little kids, um, just members of the public, tourists, um, you know, grandparents coming sort of, um, I don't know, on a sort of romantic date to look at the stars, you know, whatever it might right, be, you get right. to meet everybody. And so that was just so much fun. Um, and uh, I also taught... Um, taught some uh, what we called master classes, which was mostly to, to second secondary school, school students, right. which was the first time I'd really had a chance to connect with secondary school students. Um, anyway, so at some point I realized, and this was maybe in the last year or two of my PhD, that I was enjoying all those things more than my research. And I could see, uh, I, I felt like I was better at those things. I felt like that's where my strengths lay. Um was was in the teaching side of things so I started to look for teaching jobs when I came to the end of my PhD I didn't even consider applying for postdocs yeah um but then on a whim heard about um, Harrow School um hiring a physics teacher and um um the reputation of Harrow School in England is I suppose similar to maybe Phillips Exeter here right so um you know and I was very much not from a private school background (laughs) I was very very much from sort of working class background um was you know never something that was on my radar at all you know I sort of had dreamed of going to Hogwarts and things like this and then there's this Harrow (laughs) School which is hiring and uh I think a PH a sort of an office mate of mine doing the doing doing our PhD saw an email advert go out and said oh hey Ashley you're interested in teaching right you should apply for this and I remember thinking wow okay there is no way that they would ever hire someone like me but at the same time I was like you know I've just I've just got to go for it yeah I've just got to go for it um, and so I applied and, um, to my amazement was, um, was invited for an interview. Um, <laughs> I think the thing that got me to apply was the fact that there was something, um, the person who'd written this advert had obviously a good sense of humor. You know, when sort of describing the perks of teaching at Harrow, um, teaching in the physics department, um, they mentioned the sort of brand new coffee machine as being the sort of one of one of the real perks or something. I just remember reading it and thinking, that doesn't sound sort of so stiff upper lip, you know, that I was expecting. So maybe I'll go for it. So anyway, so I turned up and the people there were just absolutely amazing. The school is beautiful. Um, the students were incredible. And so I spent three wonderful years there. We do have one segment we're going to finish with, and it's sort of just a couple rapid fire questions. So, okay, I'll be as quick pop, as I can. pop quiz. <laughs> okay, oh gosh. Okay. Okay. Um, what would you say is your favorite spot on campus? The library. Okay. The most memorable moment at SAS for you, short version. My 
first school meeting. All right. What is the favorite uh, lesson or topic uh, that you like to teach inside your classes? Probably exoplanets and searching for life outside of the Earth. Nice. What is your favorite dish or meal that we serve in the dining hall? That's an easy one. <laughs> um, definitely the, um, the the Thai sweet chili salmon with the sticky rice and the coleslaw. Amen. Oh my gosh, I could eat so much of that. <laughs> what is what would three words be that you would use to describe yourself as a teacher? <laughs> this is hard. <laughs> Curious. Um, goofy. <laughs> and um, passionate, I hope. That sounds great. What's one piece of advice that you would give to someone looking to pursue a career in your field? Uh, try it. I mean, give give it a go. Um, yeah, just uh, seize every opportunity that comes your way. What do you want your legacy to be? Or what do you want your students to say about you after they have you in class or after they graduate? Oh, gosh. Um, uh I would love um, for science at St. Andrews to uh, not harbor the same problems that science can have in the real world in terms of who who is a science person and who isn't, like who, who should be a science person, quote unquote, and who isn't. I'd love us to to really just break those break those rules and um, and and help show everybody that science is for them. Great. And then one more. What's the thing that gets you out of bed in the morning? Besides your son. Uh, yeah, it's, not like it's normally him. Uh, <laughs> um, just sharing my passion with the students and seeing seeing that spark in them too. Um, I would say that that's the big one. Thank you, Dr. Hyde. It's been great talking to you.